Well, I have to tell on myself a little bit from yesterday because I was uh, working on a little project with my son and uh, we were having a great time. We were uh, working with uh, some wood and, you know, measuring and cutting and I'm down on the ground measuring and cutting and I'm up and down and up and down and picking up and lifting and carrying and doing all this stuff and uh, it, it was a ton of fun. And then sometime after dinner, I was like getting up from the chair and uh, when I went to stand up, I was a little sore <laughs> for literally no reason whatsoever. And my wife looked at me like I was a character in Saving Private Ryan. Because I'm like getting up, you know, and, and she's like, are you okay? And in that moment, what I wanted to say was, oh, honey, I'm fine. It's just, while well, you over here a few minutes ago, I just went out and ran a marathon and uh, saved a cat from being stuck in the tree, but the limb broke and I fell, but I saved the cat and I'm just a little sore, honey. I'm a little sore. But what I actually said was, mind your own business. And um, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And uh, I was like, man, this is, this is really, really weird because I'm in my late 20s. And you know, like it just, it feels weird that just doing a little work around the house, like my hamstring is sore, like my arm is sore, like I'm limping around the house last night. I got up this morning, I'll be honest with you, I was a little sore. When I, when I first saw this morning our lead worship pastor, Jason, okay, first words he spoke to me this morning, you would think like he's pronouncing a blessing, like good to see you. God bless you. It's gonna be a great day. No, he looked at me and he was like, man, are you tired? I'm like, how about you mind your own business, Jason? Just lead a few songs and get the heck out of my way. How about you do that, right? He's like, man, you look tired today. And I'm like, well, you're annoying today. So how about that? So here's what I've discovered, okay? This is, this is I'm telling on myself a little bit because I'm sore today for literally no reason whatsoever. Getting old stinks, all right? That is today's public service announcement. You are welcome. And uh, all of us, all of us are a day older today than we were yesterday. And if you work on a little project at your house yesterday and you woke up today feeling great and you're not tired, I do not want to talk to you. <laughs> Good for you. Because that was me five years ago, all right? Lucille Ball once said, the secret of staying young is to live honestly, to eat slowly, and lie about your age. <laughs> Bob Hope once said, I don't feel old. In fact, I don't feel anything until noon, and then it's time for my nap. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to that. George Burns said, you, you know you're getting old when you stoop to tie your shoelaces and wonder what else you could do while you're down there. <laughs> all right, we're all one day older today than we were yesterday. And uh, we all know, we kind of have this general sense, right? Like we all kind of know what's coming. <laughs> like, we all kind of know, short of the return of Jesus, right? Like, we're not, we're not going to live 
forever. And uh, I know we're all doing the very best to live as long as we can. That's good. Take care of our bodies. Woody Allen once said, you can live to be 100 if you give up all the things that make you want to live to be 100. (laughs) So, hey, we know we're all a day older today. We kind of know what's coming. Like, you know, as you get older, uh, you don't feel better. Life doesn't necessarily get easier. And, um, and we know, we know that death is something looming on the horizon, right? We know that. We don't think about it probably a lot, but, you know, that's, that's, that's something that's always kind of running, operating in the background. It's... It's, um, it's kind of like an operating system, if you will, in your, on your hard drive. It's always running in the background. It's there. We know it's there. And um, for some people, they can be paralyzed by it. Some people are oblivious to it. Some people, I think, don't think seriously enough about it. William Soroyan once said this, everybody has to die, but I always believed an exception would be made in my case. <laughs> That's how a lot of people kind of think, you know, like, all right, somehow this is not going to be me. And, you know, th- this is the reality. I mean, this is kind of, again, it's kind of what we have running in the background all the time. So today, as, as we're walking through uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, th- there's just a really, really, really encouraging word that I just find, especially today, like really, really helpful. And uh, I'm going I'm to give you a key takeaway if you're, if you're writing a few notes that I just find so incredibly encouraging. And I just want you to understand today the power of the Christian gospel, the power of what Christ has done for every single one of us Okay, let me give you the takeaway, then we'll take you to the text, and I'm going to show it to you. But I just want you to see that in Christ, okay, Jesus enables us to focus on living, not dying. And for all of us who are aging, <laughs> and all of us who are one day closer today to death than we were yesterday, which of course is all of us, like for, for whatever our thoughts are on the subject of death and however you approach it and think of it or don't ever think of it or whatever, like it's always there running in the background. We know what's coming, right? And I just, I just want to encourage you. I, I want you to understand that in Jesus, okay, we have cause actually not to focus on dying, not to focus on death, not to be consumed by it, not to be burdened by it, not to be crippled by it, not to be enslaved by it. Actually, Jesus frees us up to focus on living whatever days we have to the fullest, not dying. And that, that's a game changer. If you're new to church or you're new to Christianity, I want you to understand, like, the greatest enemy we have is death. Like, that, that death is undefeated, right, in terms of a human perspective. But thankfully, because of the work of Jesus, death is not ultimately undefeated because Christ has conquered death through his resurrection. And all who trust in Christ have the hope of a bodily resurrection where we will spend eternity with him. And therefore what that means is that Christ followers don't have any longer 
an undefeated enemy that we should live in fear to. Jesus frees us to focus on living, to make the most of life, right? To make every day count. And, and um, in, in Philippians chapter one, if you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and meet me there. I, I want you to see how Paul had his life shaped by this reality. This was not always the case for him. But as, as he became a Christ follower, he began to follow Jesus, and he began to serve Jesus as, as one of the apostles, and as he began to travel the world and plant churches, and as he began to, to impact the world for Christ, like, like, like this became Paul's perspective. Like this became a foundational truth for him that propelled him forward, and I, I believe helped make him so very effective in what he did. And now he's in... Rome. He's under house arrest. He's chained to a member of Caesar's personal bodyguards. And he's, he's writing a letter to this church that he started years before that he loves, this church in Philippi, which was a Roman city. And, 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 and he's been talking about the past couple of weeks, we've looked at this, how, how God takes these individual brushstrokes that we think are so ugly or don't make sense to us in the moment. And, and he's, he's, he's actually it's actually painting a masterpiece so that when you look back and you see the whole of what God is doing, you're awestruck by the beauty of it. And, and now Paul kind of wraps up this opening section of his letter with, I think, one of the most encouraging words in all of the Bible. Let me show you what he says here, beginning in verse 20. He says, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always with courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body. Now here's the key, watch this whether by life or by death. Paul's like, hey, I'm in prison. Hey, I'm, I know you're worried about me. Remember last week we talked about this? Paul's saying, I'm okay. What's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, right? Like Paul didn't see himself as a victim. He didn't see himself as, as someone who was ineffective. He's like, hey, I, my life is in the Lord's hands. And so here's what he says. He's my eager expectation. Just this, this is, man, this, I'm just so moved by this. He said, my hope is that I won't be ashamed that in my suffering, in my imprisonment, in my hardship right now, here is my eager expectation. That word literally means to bend the neck. Like this eager, like he's looking, he's waiting. Like he's just, man, he's just filled with this hope that he in his current situation would not cause any disrepute to the name of Christ and that Christ would be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. Let me just tell you this right now. Only a Christ follower can have that perspective. That even in death, like nobody without Jesus says that. You know, if I die, I want, no, like no, everybody's trying to avoid death. Paul says, here's my expectation. Not that I just go on living, you know, on this earth forever. Like, no, no, no. Hey, whatever God's will for me is, I know that he's gonna advance the gospel through it. I'm okay. So my eager expectation is that I would just honor Jesus in life or in death. And then, you ready for this? One of the most encouraging words in all the Bible, right here, verse 21. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if this is new to you, I just want, want you to take a moment and let that sink in, the power of that statement. Right, he's saying, man, I just, whatever happens to me here in Rome, like if I make it, if I don't make it, doesn't matter to me. Like. My eager expectation is that whatever happens to me, I will honor Jesus for, I don't know how it's tied to verse 20 there, for if I live, it's gonna be for Jesus. And if I die, it's gain to me. 
I get to go be with Jesus. Like if I, if I live, it's gonna be for the Lord. If I die, that's actually better for me. <laughs> and so then, it goes, then he says this, I love that he says, now if I live on in the flesh, okay, this means fruitful work for me. I'm gonna keep on, you know, honoring Jesus, and I don't know which one I should choose. Frankly, he says, I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. And so I'm persuaded of this. I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. So Paul's like, hey, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna keep Kicking it here, I, I'm going to honor the Lord, and I want to be with you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to serve you for your progress and joy in the faith. But to be honest with you, like, if the Lord calls me home, that's way better for me. I'm kind of torn between the two of those things. Like, for me personally, I'd rather go be with Jesus, but I know that Jesus has a great purpose for me in this life. And my eager expectation is that I am going to honor him until that day when he calls me home. And, um, and Paul's saying here, that changes my perspective. So for me, if I'm gonna live, it's gonna be for Christ. And if I die, I'm okay. That's actually better for me. That's gain. And, and so let me ask you this. To me, one of the most pointed statements Paul makes there in that section is, is talking about being with the Lord, talking about heaven. He says, I long to depart and be with Christ. Here's the phrase which is far better. Can I just ask you this question? Do you really believe that if the Lord were to call you home today, that would be better? Because I'm not sure everybody's convinced of that. I'm not sure every Christ follower is convinced of that. But hold up, Lord, like, like let me just speak for me, okay? Like in my late 20s, I don't have grandchildren yet. And I hear all these people talking about their grandkids, okay? And I'm so tired of everybody talking about their grandkids since I don't have any. And okay, Lord, if you would call me home today, what, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get to be a grandfather. You know, and I got like, I got plans. I got plans. Here's my plan as a grandparent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil my grandchildren rotten as payback to my children, okay? That is my plan. Well, hold up, Lord. I, I haven't been a grandparent yet. Well, hold up, Lord, like, I haven't got to do it. Hold up, Lord. Like, like, do you really think if the Lord were to call you home today, it would be better? Better. I, I think there are a lot of Christ followers today who think in some form or fashion, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm re- I mean, I know heaven's great. I know to be with Christ is, is great. I know it's great. I, that's where we're headed. That's my hope, right? But... But Lord, if you were to take me today, that would be a little bit of an inconvenience because I have plans. And I have some things that I want to experience. And it, sometimes I think we think of death like, well, Lord, you would be keeping me from some things that are really important to me. And I think maybe there are days, I mean, it's just the human heart, right? It's so easy to be focused on what's in front of us. I get it, you know. I just think sometimes maybe we fail to truly understand and grasp the glory of heaven and the glory of our Savior and how incredible it's going to be 
in his presence. Now, Paul had no such misunderstanding. Paul's a model for us. Paul's like, okay, here's the thing. Like, if I'm gonna live, it's gonna be for Jesus. Like, I'm not gonna be lazy. I'm not gonna be like, you know, okay, whatever, Lord, whenever you call me. No, no, no. Like, man, if I'm gonna live, like, I'm gonna make much of Jesus. And it's not that he didn't value good things, like relationships or hard work. Like, no, no, no. It's not that he was, like, lazy or just uncaring. No, no, no. He's, he's investing in good things that in this life we should be investing in. But he's just saying, I'm doing all of that for, for the glory of Christ, and I'm doing all of that for a higher purpose. And Paul's like, man, if I'm going to live, I'm going to make life count because here's because Christ frees us up to focus on living, right? We don't have to worry about dying. Like, like we, he frees us just to focus on living. And Paul's like, if I'm going to live, it's going to be for Christ, and I'm going to make the most of this. And I'm going to, he's saying this to the Philippians, I'm going to be a blessing to you, and I want to come see you again. If I'm going to live, I'm going to make it count. But if I die, oh my goodness, that's better. If I die and I go get to be with the Lord, like, oh my goodness, that's the best case scenario for me. And literally every single follower of Jesus has a win-win situation that we can focus on living and making the most of whatever days we have left. And then we know that whenever the Lord calls us home, man, that's better. That's better. And so let me ask you this. If someone were to follow you around for three months, how would they answer this fill in the blank? For you, having observed your life for three months, to live is what? Sometimes, listen, we're all there, I'm there. Sometimes to live is family. To live is children. To live as grandchildren. No, I don't want to go there. No, 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 no. That's not, no. To live is career. To live is financial freedom. To live is, here's, here's, the, here's the temptation of every single human heart, right? That we want to fill in that blank with temporal things that are good things that we turn into ultimate things. So we think, to live without X, Y, Z would be unthinkable. And I just want you to see here, if you're a follower of Jesus today, actually, Jesus frees you up not to think poorly about any of those good things in your life, but to, but to have them in the right perspective and in the right place so that by living as a faithful husband, wife, father, mother, grandmother, grandfather, to live as someone who's working hard, to live as someone who's stewarding your financial resources well, to live as someone who's taking care of your body, like to, to, to focus on good things, to live as someone in that way, but to do it for the glory of Jesus. You can actually live for Jesus as you steward all of those very good things without making them ultimate things, keeping Jesus the ultimate, and thus making a difference for him and all of the good things that you are working with. And that's Paul. Paul's saying, if I'm gonna live, it's gonna be for Christ. And so here's what he's, he's not saying that we all take a poverty vow and become missionaries and go overseas and sell everything we have. No, 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 for sure. Some are called to that and some do that. But, but Paul's just saying we ought to seek to honor Christ and all of the good people that we're interacting with, the children that we're raising, right? The grandchildren that we're influencing, the money that we're stewarding. Here, here, here's what he's saying. He's like, if, if you're a parent today, it, it means if you're a Christ following mother or father and you are 
are trying to live for Christ, if you're gonna make this your testimony today, for me to live as Christ, let me tell you what that means. It means you're gonna have to go to war in our society as a parent to seek to turn the hearts of your children toward Jesus. It means that you're gonna have to put in a lot of hard work. It means that you're gonna have to be protective, not overbearing, protective. It means that you're gonna have to have hard conversations. It means that you're gonna have to go to war with the prince, the power of the air that's seeking to turn the hearts of your children away from Jesus. For me to live as Christ as a parent means I'm not gonna put my kids above my savior, But it does mean that because I so love my Savior and I believe that he has a great plan and purpose for my life and I believe that his will is best, it means that for me to live as Christ as a parent that I'm gonna do everything I can to positively influence my children for him, to live as Christ. It means I'm gonna take what, what resources the Lord entrusts to me through my work or through my family and I'm not gonna be selfish with them. It means I'm gonna be generous and increasingly so as I have more margin in my life. It means I'm not going to be a person that's, that's just constantly, right, like accumulating for myself dollars and resources that I can't take with me when the Lord called. No, I'm going to seek to be a person who's leveraging what I have for the Lord to live as Christ, It means that in my career, I'm gonna see, it's not ultimately about climbing a ladder and reaching a title that nobody's gonna care about after I die. No, it means I'm gonna leverage my influence, my job, I'm gonna work hard and provide, but but, but I'm gonna do what I do ultimately so that Christ might be glorified in my life. It means we take the good things that the Lord entrusts to us and the good things that we're working toward, just like the Apostle Paul, and we see them through the lens of how can I steward these things in a way that I'm making an eternal difference. Paul said for me to live as Christ. Honestly, I don't know what to do. Like, if I'm gonna continue to do what I do, I'm gonna do do, do it for the Lord. But I know that to be with him is far better. So so death is gain. It's gain. It's not that anybody should be wishing for death. Like, we're made to live, right? So death is awkward for us, and it's difficult because we're not made to experience it. But the reality is we can have this truth in our heart. This is what grounds us. Whenever the Lord calls us home, we know that that really is gain. It is always better to be with Jesus. Some of us at times maybe are just uncomfortable with how that might transpire, right? Woody Allen once said, I don't fear death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> I can relate to that, okay? But I just want you to understand the freedom here that's in Jesus that, listen, the focus for the Christ follower is on living. It's on living. We're gonna make the most of the days that we have. We're gonna make the most of the opportunities. We're gonna make most of the dollars that we have. We're gonna make most of, you know, having just these awesome children the Lord gives to us and grandchildren. We're just gonna do everything we can to make much of him and leverage what we are and what we have for him and to live as Christ. But whenever the Lord calls us home, man, that's okay. That's why, by the way, even when our loved ones who are in Christ go before us, right, there's, of course, there's a separation, the grief and the sorrow, there's no doubt. But you know what Paul says? Paul doesn't say, he says this elsewhere, not that we shouldn't have grief, okay? Again, Paul has such balance here. It's not that we don't have grief. He just said, for the Christ follower, we have a grief that's accompanied by hope. And that's powerful. 
This transforms the way we see death and life. This, this frees us to focus in on living and not dying. And it means that then with all that we're living with, that we're gonna steward it all for his honor and his glory. And, um, and that gets to like the last part of this opening section. So then, okay, then what does that look like then in terms of living, right? Living for Christ, what does that mean? And, um, and, and Paul clarifies this in the very last section of this, of this opening chapter. Okay, go to verse 27. I just want you to see here in verse 27 what he says about this. Okay, so then here's then how we live. Oh man, I love this. This is so helpful. He says, just one thing then. This is actually the only command in, in this section. So this is actually the, the main focus here. He said all this, focus on living, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm gonna go on living in fruitful labor, right? Like, like I want your boasting to be in Christ. So he says, just one thing. Can you want to talk about how you should live your life then? Here it is. One thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's the command. Right? He's not saying, it's, again, I've already said this, but not bad to have you know, a focus on being faithful in all these areas of your life as a spouse, as a parent, as a grandparent, as, as a, uh, somebody that owns a business, somebody who's at work. Some, you know, no, no, no. Just, he's just saying, here, here's the one thing. Like, like don't, don't make good things ultimate things. And then, and, and, and then in your life, here, just there, here's the thing. Live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he says this, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you and that you're standing firm in one spirit, one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents, for this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God, he says, for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but but to suffer for him. We're all gonna suffer. We're all gonna go through hardship. We're all gonna face difficulties since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. Paul says, here's the bottom line, in your hardship, in your suffering, just like mine, here's, here's, here's how you live. Here's how you focus on living your life. Here it is. You, you live worthy of the gospel of Christ. That, that word in verse 27, this is such a unique construction, okay, in the original language. It's just so super cool. Paul actually uses a word that takes like eight English words to properly translate. This, this word's only used twice in the entire New Testament. Okay, you ready for this? This one word literally means, okay, to be a good citizen. But for us to best understand the meaning here, we translate it as citizens of heaven live your life worthy. <laughs> That's a lot of words for one word, isn't it? The one word Paul uses though is this, as a citizen of heaven, he's talking about citizenship here. Live your life in a manner that's consistent with your heavenly citizenship. That's how you live, that's how you focus on living, right? And so let me say it this way, I'll give you one more takeaway today. Here's what Paul's saying, your life reflects your loyalties. And so here's the game changer if you're a follower of Jesus today, right? You're brought from death to life. You're given this salvation, this freedom, this, this new life, this hope that's eternal, right? You can focus on living, not dying. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And so just this one thing he says, now do you also understand what this means? 
you, you, have a, you have a new citizenship. You got a new identity. You got a new passport. Because your citizenship now as a follower of Jesus is no longer tied to a country or the planet Earth. <laughs> Actually, your citizenship now is tied to Jesus and heaven. That's actually where you now will reside and spend all eternity. And so here's what he says. You wanna know how to focus on living, not dying? Here's how you do it. Live your life worthy of this gospel. Live your life with loyalties that are commensurate now with your citizenship. What does it mean to be a citizen? Well, as I've traveled the world, I've, I've, I've noticed something rather peculiar. You go to different parts of the world, right? And there's, there's various parts of the world that reflect different parts of the world. For example, Britain over the years has had numerous territories and colonies all around the world. You know what's unique about when you go to a, a, a place that's, that's, that's a British territory? They drink tea there. And they have average food there. Just like in London, if you've ever been to London. And you're like, wait a minute, how can I be halfway around the world? How can I be in India or Australia? And, and how can there be all of this British influence? Well, I'll tell you how, because it's actually a British territory. There, there were years ago, thousands of people that went from England to this place and they brought with them their culture. They brought with them mediocre food and really good tea. That's what they brought with them. And so even though you're in an entirely different country, it's functioning as a British territory because it was influenced by those who brought their culture into this new land. Are you with me? Now here's what Paul is saying. You are no longer a citizen of the United States in the eyes of God. You are no longer one who has a greater allegiance to the United States than you do the kingdom of Christ. And so here is your role in mind as we live for Christ in this world, knowing even that death is gain whenever he calls us home. Here's what Paul is saying. Your role in mind is to take the culture of heaven and bring it with you wherever you go on earth. He says, live as a citizen of heaven and walk worthy of the gospel of Christ. In a world where there's corruption, in a world where there's injustice, in a world where there is hatred, in a world where there is tragedy, in a world where there is unnecessary hardship, in a world where there is cheating, in a world where there's just dysfunction. Paul says, let me tell you, Christ follower, your role in this world, as long as Jesus lives, you're here, because to live is Christ, right? It's to take the culture of heaven, the climate of heaven, right? The, the righteousness, the justice, the beauty, the, 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 the love, the, the unity. And, and here's your role in mind to live on this earth now primarily as citizens of heaven. And we seek to transplant the culture of heaven to where we live today. because we are primarily now citizens of heaven. Now this would have meant a lot to the Philippians because Philippi was one of the few cities across the Roman Empire that could actually grant you Roman citizenship. You could go there and you could be granted the most significant citizenship in the world. You could be a Roman citizen. Paul says to this church in Philippi, check this out, this Roman city, he says actually 
um, all due respect to the Roman Empire, Philippi, there's actually a greater citizenship to be had. And so hear me, I, I think if Paul were writing to us, he would say the same thing. He would say Americans, <laughs> I think this is what he would say, I'm a little biased. Because when you travel the world, you realize there's no place like home. And I think we live in the greatest country in the world. And I mean, I don't apologize for it. I mean, we are blessed to live where we live and not, listen, I, I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, we could be in Buffalo right now cheering for the Bills. And it's like two degrees and, and like, who wants that, right? Like, we got Tampa Bay, baby. Like, we're in Tampa, like, cold for, like, literally, I thought I was gonna die this morning, right? Like, like I had to turn the heat on in my house last night, right? There's this smell. My wife's like, our house is on fire! It's like, no, it's like literally one of the two nights a year we have to use our furnace, right? And, and like, I, I don't want to live anywhere else. We, we are so blessed to do what we do where we do it. This is the greatest country on earth. I, I have no doubt. But I, here's what, if Paul were writing to us, I think what Paul would say to us, you want to know how to focus on living, not dying? Live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ as a citizen of heaven. And there's nothing wrong with being a citizen of the United States. Again, I'm so grateful. This is a big statement. There's a better citizenship. And I think in certain places over the years, there have been well-intended American Christians who have projected an American heaven onto the real heaven and I think we need to understand when we get to heaven, it's gonna be way better than living in America. And I wanna remind you that Jesus' prayer was not your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. Jesus said, here's, here's what it means to live as a citizen of heaven your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as a follower of you, Jesus, for however many days you give me, because of the fact that you've conquered death, I get to focus on living, not dying. And so I'm gonna live in a manner worthy of you, meaning I'm gonna try to take this culture now that I will inherit in this culture that I believe in, this culture that I'm embodying, and I'm gonna try to initiate some change that looks like that in this culture where I live. All due respect to Lee Greenwood. I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> okay, we all love Lee Greenwood, okay? Dude's like 147 years old, he's still kicking. I mean, the dude is amazing, okay? I just wanna say to you today, heaven is not a democracy. Jesus won't be sending out text messages every four years. I need your support, right? <laughs> like, like, that ain't gonna happen. Now, do I believe that in heaven, Chick-fil-A will be open on Sundays? Yes, I do. I do believe that, okay? But, 
Listen, I just want you to understand, okay? I love where we live. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I'm grateful for the freedom we have. The Lord's using it, okay? But just make no mistake about it. It's, it's easy for us, because this is all we know. It's easy for us to project onto heaven the things that we love about this earth. And Jesus is saying, actually, your role in this world is to take what's true of heaven and to project it on earth. And heaven's not a democracy. Heaven is led by a righteous king who rules with justice and equity and who loves his citizens, right? <laughs> it's good, it's good, it's good. <laughs> and Paul says, you wanna know what it's like to focus on living, not dying. Here's what it looks like. You wanna live with meaning and purpose. You wanna make the most of your career and your dollars and your children and your grand. You wanna live and focus on living. You wanna make every day count. Here's how you do this one thing. Live worthy of the gospel. Make much of Jesus. Do you know why? Because when you're investing in that way and you're living as a citizen of heaven in that way, this world can't take anything away from you. And that's why Paul's in this. I know some of you are like, well, it's easy for Paul to say he was an apostle on a mission. No, no, no. He's chained to a member of the Praetorian Guard with no freedom. He's been beat half to death, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, right? Like, the dude's been suffering and he's saying, not even the suffering can take away my joy because my citizenship is in heaven. To live is Christ, if I die, it's gain. I'm in a win-win. So he just says, listen, live, live your life worthy of the gospel. And, and, and I know if you've got a health issue today, a financial issue, a family issue, whatever, sometimes, you ever been in this? You, you ever been in this? I've been in this situation before. There, there, <laughs> sometimes there's just too much month at the end of the money. <laughs> So, sometimes, you know, like, man, it's just raising kids is hard. It's just, but here's what Paul is saying in those situations, hardship, suffering, persecution, whatever you're facing. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, how do I live? Here's how you live in those situations, good or bad. Live worthy of Jesus. Live worthy of Jesus. You might be tempted to give up, give in. You might be tempted just to do your own thing. You might be tempted to, to just um, indulge your flesh. No, 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 no. Paul says, live worthy of the gospel. That's the command. That's the only imperative in this section. Live worthy of the gospel. That's how you live in Christ. As a citizen of heaven, seeking to influence this earth with that culture of heaven, oh, living is for Christ. So live worthy of the gospel. And whenever the Lord takes you home, yeah, man, it, this side of eternity, of course, death's never meant to be a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not an original thing that God had planned for us. So yes, it's difficult, but Paul just says, understand that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna be in a better place. To die is gain. And so here's the bottom line, all right? This is what I've learned in, in life, okay? Bad circumstances don't ruin people. Paul's in prison, beaten half to death, suffering for the Lord. He's got the most amazing perspective. I know you, some of you are going through a really difficult time, and we all do. If you live long enough, you're gonna, you're gonna suffer. You're gonna go through hardship. Here's what I've learned. Bad circumstances don't ruin people. You know what does? Bad foundations. And if you got the wrong foundation for your life today, and you're not living for Christ, and you don't see death as gain, and you're not living as a citizen of heaven with this eternal perspective that frees you up to steward well all that you have on this earth. I'm telling you, you listen to me, lean in here. You have the wrong foundation. 
And here's what Jesus said about that foundation. There's gonna be a forecast with a lot of cold and sleet and hail. And if you aren't building on the right foundation, your house will fall. And great will be the fall of it. But when you build your house on the rock of Christ, on the gospel that he has entrusted to us, on the earthly, or excuse me, heavenly citizenship that you have, here's what Jesus says. The rain can come and the snow can fall and the wind can blow and, 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 it, and, and, and it feels like the world is caving in around you. But when you build your life on him and you live worthy of the gospel, your house will stand. See, bad circumstances don't ruin people. Bad foundations do. And over the past three weeks, including today, we're looking at this opening letter, opening chapter, this letter to the Philippians. And here's what Paul is saying. I know, Paul's saying, I know there are these brush strokes on the canvas of your life that seem ugly to you, that are hurtful to you, that don't make sense to you. But here's what Paul has said to us all the way through, right? He, 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 he has said that he who's begun a good work in you is gonna bring it to completion. He, he's told us that what happens to us is actually the Lord's using it to advance the gospel. He's telling us today so that we can live in Christ and even see death as a gain and, and, and therefore live worthy of the gospel as citizens of heaven, bringing heaven to earth the best uh, that we can and therefore building on the foundation of Christ, we cannot be shaken. And here's what Paul is saying. Therefore, understanding, believing this, when you look back and you see the full canvas of what God's doing in your life, here's what's coming. There is a beautiful masterpiece that God is performing in your life. So don't give up, don't give in, don't cave, don't indulge the flesh. No, 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 here's what Paul's saying, to live is Christ. Live worthy of him, make much of him. Build on that foundation. And this hope will endure for you no matter what the forecast. And so I'd like to ask you to stand with me today. Here's what I'm gonna do, okay? It's been a really special few weeks here just in this first chapter and um, I'm gonna do something a little bit different today. I, I think there may be some with us today. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray over you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. You've been here listening the past couple of weeks. You're like, man, I need that. I need that hope. Listen, we're just gonna sing a, 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 just a brief Reflection called Christ Be Magnified. As we do that, I'm gonna invite you to come forward today. I'm gonna be down here in the front. We have some of our team here. And maybe you're in a situation, you just need someone to pray over you, pray with you. Maybe you need Christ today. Maybe there's some circumstance where, where you feel hindered. Maybe it's a perspective that I'm gonna live for heaven, not earth. Whatever it is today, hey, before we leave, can we just steady our hearts today and make sure we're building on this foundation that is Christ? Because when we live for him and his glory, there is nothing this world can do to us. And so let me pray for us. I'm gonna invite you to come today. If I can be an encouragement to you, if you need Christ, if you need prayer, I invite everyone to come today. Father, I pray that you'd move in this moment as we just put together all the pieces of this puzzle that Paul's been laying out for us to see, God, that you are doing a great work in us. You've started something you're gonna finish. Lord, that our circumstances are such that even when they're difficult, Lord, we know that you're using them to grow us and to advance the gospel. And so, Lord, we can live for you. 
We can focus on living, not dying, and we can live in a manner worthy of our Savior and our future home, where even now our citizenship lies. So God, I just pray that right now as we sing, as we respond, as we seek your face, that you would bring glory to yourself. Draw us to you, we pray in Jesus' name.